0: several weeks now into the Olivet Discourse. Uh, Those are the two chapters that Jesus speaks about uh, His return, and we're really getting into that part of the message now. Uh, We kind of looked at it next door in our prayer time this morning. Uh, You know, everything that Christ has done up until this point probably caught a lot of people off guard. Who would have thought that God would send His only Son, Jesus Christ to come to earth as a poor babe in a manger in uh, Bethlehem? Who, who would have thought that He would be born in that setting? Who would have thought that He would grow up as a normal child by normal parents? Who would have thought that at the age of 30 He would begin a three and a half uh, year ministry? Who would have thought that that Savior would have lived a perfect life and then to die a cruel death upon the cross, who would have thought it would happen that way, right? And that's, that's pretty amazing. Who would have thought that he would have been buried, he'd be three days in the tomb, he'd be resurrected 40 days here, and then he would ascend to heaven and he's enthroned in heaven. He's, he's sitting as our mediator, right? And he is waiting to come back. Y'all with me? Who would have thought that all that had would have happened? And who, 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 knowing all of that, who would not understand that he is going to literally return again? Look, don't doubt it. If you doubt it, you're going to be like the homeowner that didn't know what time of the night that he came. And when the thief came, he wasn't ready. We want to be ready. Amen? Matter of fact, that's our word again this week. It's be ready. I, I tried to find another one, but I couldn't find anything better than be ready. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31, And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That's our passage for today. So, you, you may not have been coming around long and you may come and you may think about, well, this church is into studying about the end of times or whatever the case may be. But I want you all to know this, uh, this is a so far about a 12-year verse-by-verse preaching through the book of Matthew and you just happen to come in on the time in which we are in chapters 24 and chapters 25 of Matthew which is known as the Olivet Discourse. If you're reading the one-year Bible with us, we've been all over that this week. Matter of fact, yesterday, we were in Acts chapter 1. and uh, Acts chapter 1, verses, uh, uh, beginning in verse 7 and, and going down through verse 9. Let me just read what Acts says about this. And we read it yesterday. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons... That the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. Well, it happens to say in the passage that we're in that He's going to come back just the way He left out of the clouds. Somebody say Amen. Have y'all all all gathered here yet this morning? Are we all here? Have we put aside the distractions of the world? And are we focused on the imminent and sudden and bodily return of Christ? That's going to happen. So the context is Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was in the temple. In chapter 23, 39, he told the Jews, he told the Pharisees, he said, I'm leaving Jerusalem. The temple, and I won't be here anymore, and you won't see me in this temple anymore. So he is done with the Jews, and he's done with the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. So he goes out, he crosses the Kidron Valley, he's going up the Mount of Olives to Bethany, and when he got up on the summit, uh, when he got up on the summit, he stopped, took a break, and the disciples came to him, and he began to teach them these words that we find in chapter 24 and 25. So that's the setting. You remember they, in verse 3, they ask him three questions. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So those were the questions. And then those questions, we find out he, he was talking about what should be the sign of the destruction of Jerusalem? That happened 40 years later in A.D. 70, the destruction of Jerusalem. Of His coming, what's it going to look like when Christ comes back? And what about, how's this world going to be brought to an end? Three really pertinent questions. Now, He had already told them, it's not for you to know everything. It's not for you to know the times of the season. And I don't know about you, but as I read this scripture and I try to preach this scripture... I wish Jesus had been a little more line by line specific about how it was going to happen. But listen to me. I think Spurgeon's right. I think Jesus left it a little uncertain that we don't have it all figured out, but we've got to live in readiness. I think that's why he did it this way. We've come up with some common sense things to think about already. Verse 4, he says, do not be led astray. Don't let somebody lead you astray that the Christ is already here or there's another way to heaven. Don't be led astray. In verse 6, he says, don't be alarmed. Listen, it's going to get bad. Well, how much worse can it be and Christ not return? I don't know, but it's going to get bad. Listen, anarchy, anarchy. That's what it was at that time. That's what it's going to be in the end time. Verse 13 says, Hold on, because those who hold on and endure to the end will be saved. What a promise. Hang on. Be ready. And look for the sudden, imminent, bodily return of Christ. And he's talking about what this is going to look like. So, be looking, be ready, It will be sudden and looking to the Lord who is capable to do what he has promised to do. I've got just a little bit of teaching this morning uh, to kind of uh, give you some of the possibilities here. So endure a little bit of teaching that's uh, a little uh, uncommon to what we do. So I want you to think about this. I think we've done pretty well so far. I think we've had an open mind about it and we've concentrated on the fact that we need to be ready. Right? Is that, is that not a key? Can you get ready after he comes back? Okay, you've got to be ready, right? Okay. Christ has warned his disciples about the world events that will not be signs of his return, and he has predicted the destruction of Jerusalem. He's done that. As traumatic as this event was, The destruction of the city that really was the emblem of the Jewish religion at that time, as as traumatic as that was, it was just an example of tragedies that have occurred throughout history. There's one tragedy right after another. This is just reoccurring. But I will tell you, the easy part of chapter 24 is over with. The easy part's over with. We are in that part that has caused the most discourse and has given Bible students and commentators throughout the ages the most trouble. It's not easy to understand. There's, there's lots of prophecy to look at. There's lots of studying to be done. And so uh, it, it's, a, it's a great time if you have lots of questions to call Brother Bob. He's 90 years of age. He is taught through the book of Revelation and the end times here at this church. Maybe more than once. And he, he loves to talk about scripture. He loves to talk about the end of time. But it's difficult teaching. And that's what we're looking at. Now, let me see if I can set this up. There are some difficulties in this scripture as far as understanding. Let me give you some of those difficulties. Most of the difficulties we have to do with this passage is timing. Timing. How could those occur in a sequence? How could they occur in a particular and it not influence how we're thinking? So let me give you some examples. The destruction of Jerusalem happened in 70 A.D. at the hands of the Romans with Titus in command. But then we come to verse 29 in your text there. We come to these words. Are you ready? Immediately. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now look, we're going to look at this more deeply next week, but I I just want you to imagine being on earth and all of a sudden all of that up there begins to shake. I'm going to tell you, people who don't have any understanding, people who are lost, it's going to scare them, listen, literally to death. This is not an earthquake. This is not a flood. This is supernatural things in the heavens are shaken. Now, this could be something in the future. But why did Jesus use the word immediately? He says immediately. That would seem to be something that would happen close to the destruction of Jerusalem. And it didn't happen then. It's pretty clear it didn't happen then. Amen? Because we're still here today. Then we come to verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all of the tribes of the earth were mourned. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The Son of Man will come in the clouds with power and great glory. There will be a blast of the trumpets, the appearance of the angels. You know what the angels are coming for? To gather up His elect, to gather up the saved to Himself. Wow! Can y'all not say amen to that? He's going to gather His elect. Again, that could be future, but then, why the word then will appear? Timing. And he has yet to return. Then we come much the same in verse 33. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Well, it appears that he's been at the very gates of coming back for 2,000 years, does it not? All right, I'm just giving you some issues that have been debated over the centuries. Again, these things did not happen after the destruction of Jerusalem. And yet, for the most significant problem, look at verse 34. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Well, who was there? The disciples, Jesus, and these people. It didn't happen in their lifetime, did it? So, we have some dating issues so here's a question so is there a solution well brother Bob could have a solution John MacArthur could have a solution Charles Spurgeon could have a solution but is there a an agreed-upon solution probably not it is it is not so cut and dried that there has not been debate about it for centuries now I'm going to give you two possibilities for this. And I'm, not going to, I'm just going to tarry long enough for Pablo to keep up. All these events could be put together at the end of history. That's one possibility. Then all these time references can be taken literally. The fall of Jerusalem, the signs in the sky, the return, all occur in a tight sequence. That's a solution. And the fall of Jerusalem follows an outline found in Revelation and other books of the Bible. The destruction of Jerusalem is linked to the Great Tribulation and precedes the Battle of Armageddon. And the reigning of Christ for for a thousand years, this generation could refer to those who are there at the final attack on Jerusalem. That's one possibility. All these references could be taken with the fall of Jerusalem at the end of time. The other solution is to put all these events referring to the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. Put them in one spot. His coming in verses 30 and 31 we refer to His coming to judge Jerusalem and the signs refer to the events leading up to His return. Do you know why Jerusalem was so severely dealt with? They were, they were severely dealt with. I don't want to miss this. Do you know why? Because who did he come to first? He came to the Jews. They rejected him. Now, he dealt severely. What did it say? What have we already seen? He would have destroyed every one of the Jews if God hadn't kept some set apart as a remnant. What What did Jerusalem do that finally revealed who they were? They killed Christ. And he dealt with them severely. Jerusalem and the signs refer to the events leading up to his return. The end of the age means the age of the Jews. Their time was over with. This is followed by the church age. This means that everything in chapters 24 and 25 refer to Jerusalem. So, how do we solve these difficulties? We don't. We don't. History says we've not resolved the differences yet, and probably will not, but that does not cause us to faint and say, well, it hasn't happened yet. He's not going to come. He is still coming. He He is on His throne. He is praying for His. He's mediating on our behalf. And and I think in some regards, if Jesus could be anxious, He's anxious to come back. He's still coming. The term, the term immediately after the tribulation in verse 29. You saw what that says. You're looking at it. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. The term immediately... Are you listening closely now? May signify not only the destruction of Jerusalem, but all the calamities of those days that should follow to the end of the world. Immediately. Things that are occurring ongoing. It is, it was common for prophetical scriptures to speak of things to come long after as they were presently coming to pass. Are you with me? Let me read that again. It was common for prophetical scriptures to speak of things to come long after as if they were presently to come to pass. In other words, listen to Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine. You have these scriptures. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. Well, it didn't come swiftly. It was in the process of coming. And the day of judgment is all often spoken of, of being at hand. Now, why would that be? Why would He continue to give us Scripture that would impress upon us that it could happen instantly? Why? Because He always wants us to do what? live in expectation of His immediate bodily return. Are you with me? What do we look at? All the cares of the world. We get distracted and we're not keeping our focus on Christ is coming again. First Thessalonians four fifteen. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. James 5, 8. You also, being patient, establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at what? Hand. You know when this was written? A.D. 60? 70? That time frame? 1 John 2, 18. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming... So now many antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. He wants us to be ready. We need to live. I do know this, do you not know? We're 2,000 years closer than we were when this was written. Amen? His return is imminent. Perhaps Jesus does it this way to keep all generations. Every generation needs to be alert. And we need to be getting the next generation prepared for His return. I can see it in your faces. I can see it in the way people live. But He hasn't come yet. And so we relax. And we're not ready and that's the instant He comes. Remember, a thousand years except that creation in God's sight are as but one day. 2 Peter 3.8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day as as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So we're going to move along with this flow of the scripture. Verse 3, the disciples questions, when will it happen? What will be the signs of the coming? And then verses 4 through 14 that we've already looked at, there will be many earth-shaking events, but these are just signs Of his coming. They're not really signs. They're just events that happen throughout the world. As time goes on. Verses 15-22. There will be one dreadful event. Jerusalem falling did happen. It was a terrible thing. Verses 23-28. Jesus makes it clear that the destruction of Jerusalem. Will be only one of many dreadful things. That will happen to people throughout history. Terrible things have happened. Don't believe it when people tell you that the Christ is here. Let me tell you again this morning. When Christ comes on the clouds, nobody's going to have to tell anybody. Lost and saved both. At the moment that he appears in the clouds, at that moment, everybody's going to know that it is Christ. So if somebody has to tell you, He's over here, or he's over there, or he's in the back room, or he's out there in the wilderness. Don't believe it. And then we come to the scripture that we're at today. This begins the specific teaching about Jesus' second coming. There'll be signs in the sky. The sign of the Son of Man, which really nobody has any idea of what that sign will be, but throughout the years there've been all kinds of Speculation at what that sign might be—a flaming one of the one of the one of the ones that I read was a, a a cross that was on fire, that cross that's on fire in heaven. But really, it's all speculation because all we all we have in the scripture is this sign of the Son of Man. Well, let me tell you, when you see the sign of the Son of Man, it's going to be Christ. That's the only sign that the Son of Man is coming, is Christ has come. Listen, a flash of lightning, a trumpet call. How exciting. The work of angels gathering the elect from the end of the earth. How would you like to be on that detail? Well, it's not for any man, except for us now. Should we not be going and proclaiming the gospel message throughout the world and watch God gather people into His kingdom? These are not signs that, listen carefully, these are not signs that precede his coming, but those are the things that will coincide with his coming. It's going to be sudden. The key is, what? B. Yeah. Verses 36 through 51, this is all about the suddenness of his return. He does this by historical references and images. You remember if the homeowner had known what hour the thief would come, he would have been what? He'd been awake. He'd be ready. But he came, listen, he came when, when his servant did not expect it. The master came when his, son did, when his servant did not expect it. We don't want to be that person. What are we? We should live every day in expectation of what? Today he's coming. Today he's coming. So, let's, this morning, begin to look at verses 29 through 31. That was a uh, six-page introduction, and the rest of the sermon's not that long, okay? All right, let's go to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Listen, there is nothing that can shake the powers of heaven. Are y'all with me? There's nothing that can shake the powers of heaven except God Almighty who is the creator of heaven and earth. Do not be alarmed. When the heavens are shaken, it's a work of God. Mark. 13, 24, and 25. You've got all of these. You're looking right at them. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. And I want you to think just a second. Think just a second. I'm talking about think. When all this happens, we're not going to need the sun. And we're not going to need the moon. Because who's just come? Christ has come. And His light is the brightness of it that the sun and the moon cannot even compare to. And the stars will be falling from heaven. I'm not talking about a meteorite. I'm talking about stars falling from heaven. That cannot happen unless allowed by God. And the powers of heavens will be shaken. Luke 21, 25 through 26. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. And on the earth, distresses of nations in perplexity. It will be a momentary perplexity because they're going to understand it pretty quickly. Because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Listen to this. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. You know what what all that fear is about? They're going to know at that instant that all this talk about the return of Christ is real. All they can do is shake and tremble. That's not for us. For us, it's the anticipation of, man, this is happening. That's what we've been looking for. That's what we've been talking about. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. To me... This can be nothing but the Lord coming at the last judgment. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. The Lord is now answering the disciples about their questions concerning the end of the world. The next verses speak of his coming with great power and glory, his coming with his angels, with the sound of a trumpet to gather his elect from the four winds. First Corinthians 15, 52. In a what? In a moment, at the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. In, in, in how much time? A twinkling of the eye. First Thessalonians four sixteen, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. For many, this is the rapture and the beginning of the millennial reign. For others, it is Christ coming for the church. Look at John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I what? Go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Hallelujah. Was that the promise? So the historians and the apostles confirm such things as we see in verse 29. And what was 29? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Listen to what Second Peter three ten through 12 says. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of, look at this, holiness and godliness expecting His imminent return. Amen? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So let me just ask you. Have, is this exciting enough for you? I, I mean, I, I mean, do you do you think you you have it in yourself? <laughs> look, Christians are going to experience this from a glorious point of view. Are you with me? This, this will be such a glorious point of view that we won't be fearful. It will be like, wow, we are in awe. This is all happening. But you got to remember those on the other side that are absolutely horrified and scared to death. Because they know that He is coming as a judge for them. So, you need more signs? Are, are, are you not convinced yet to be ready? Verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. All the tribes of the earth will mourn. We'll look at closely at this next week. And they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with... Of heaven with power and great glory. Power and great glory. You, know, you remember the humiliation in which he died? You remember that awful death on the cross? Well, just multiply that in coming with glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. What, what did we look at last week? What did we look at last week? How many of His are those angels going to miss? Uh, come on now. How many of His are those angels going to miss? He's going to gather all of His from the four corners of the earth to be with Him. Mark 13, 26 and 27. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, listen to this, straighten up, you know, stand up, stand up like a man, stand up, straighten up, look up, the king has arrived. that know what it says? Let me read it again. Now, when these things begin to play, stand, take place, do what? Straighten up. Raise up your heads. Because your redemption, your Redeemer is drawing near. On Wednesday night, we, we did a study this last Wednesday night called the, uh, the Harmony of the Four Gospels. The Harmony of the Gospels. Well, for you that weren't in on the study you may miss this but for you that were in on the study almost every every verse that i've read out of matthew has a companion verse in mark and luke right so this is the synopsis, synopsis of this is a harmony of the gospels they they all are three different people looking these three the uh, synoptic gospels are three different people looking at the same event so redemption Redemption is a release affected by a proper payment. Do you hear that? Do you know the only proper payment to pay the price, the penalty for our sins, do you know the only proper payment is the Lord Jesus Christ in His blood and His death? And that Redeemer has come back. He's come back properly. His redemption, literally, He has bought us back from what we had previously forfeited or lost by our sins. We are rescued people from what had enslaved us. For the believer, it's a look back to God's effective work of grace, purchasing us from the debt of sin and bringing them to their new status being in Christ. So let me ask you this morning, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through His death, have you been redeemed to Almighty God? And the only way to be redeemed to Almighty God is to believe in His Son, His death, His resurrection, to believe in that for the way that you're saved and nothing else, nothing of your own works. Have you been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? So, as these things are playing out, all these events are playing out, you know what? (laughs) Listen. We ought to be, occasionally we ought to be glancing up. You with me? Really. I I think in the time that we're living in, uh, a a pretty routine of glancing up ought to be our mode. Because I really don't know why he had not come yet. I mean... There are a few more people groups that need to be reached. There's probably there a couple other things that need to happen. But the times are evil. Amen. So in closing, three things. These scriptures express Christ coming to the last judgment. Matthew 26, 64. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Matthew thirteen forty nine. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. Revelation one seven Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. What just follows that up with us? Come, Lord Jesus. The tribes of the earth mourning. This this seems to signify more than the 12 tribes of Israel. Then all the tribes of the earth with mourning. Surely this is more than just the 12 tribes of Israel. All the earth will be mourning. It's, It's ready. Even the creation itself will mourn and groan because it's ready to be redeemed. And then number three. That which Luke has said. Look up. Straighten up. Lift up your heads. Where's your help going to come from? Well, another good place to be if your eyes aren't lifted upward would be right here, amen? Huh? Where would be another good place to be? On your knees. But while we're on our feet, we ought to be lifting up our eyes on a regular pace basis looking for the appearing of the Lord. If that's the case, we'll be ready. Amen? So, be ready. There will be intense tribulation. Uh, You know, we'd have to go back and read all the history of the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, It it will be that on steroids. You know, we can all remember back uh, to... uh, Oh, the uh, trouble during COVID and George Floyd's, uh, the demonstration after George Floyd's death. Uh, anarchy. Anarchy instead of being isolated in particular places. Anarchy throughout the world. Just, just people trying to survive. It's going to be bad. Be ready. The tribulation is going to be bad. There'll be troubles in heaven, or what appears to be trouble in heavens, amen? The, the universe, the, the uh, solar system seems to be out of order. Christ will appear in the clouds, coming with power and great glory. And the angels, I, I, I think this has got to be, well, other than seeing Him in the clouds, this has got to be one of the most encouraging things we can see. The angels will be gathering the elect from the four corners of the world. Will you be one of those? So let me, re- let me ask you, are, are we ready? Are we in love with Jesus and what He did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins? Are we daily longing to live for His glory? Are we daily longing for Him to come back? And are we on a regular basis following him as our lord and savior so next week we'll look at more of the details tom's going to come and close us and get us ready for the lord's supper